Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Program. We're so glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and I have a, a new friend on the line with me today. I've got Barb Winters with uh, from HopefulMom.net. And so, Barb, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jonathan. I'm so blessed to be here with you today. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of going to be, a, I almost said, an exciting topic. I know that telling some of your story will not necessarily feel exciting. But the reason I say that is I, I think there are so many uh, parents, not just moms out there, that are going to to resonate with a lot of what you're going to share in your story about how you've you've navigated some things in this this uh, world of parenting sure. uh, that I think is going to be helpful for our listeners. So why don't you share um, just kind of your story of how you got into this space of trying to provide help and hope to uh, especially to moms out there that are maybe wondering how to deal with the discovery of maybe porn. Um, that their children are struggling with, or maybe even trying to prevent um, those kinds of um, encounters that their kids could have with porn. Sure, I'd love to share um, my story. So, so my story starts about five or six years ago. Uh, my husband and I had just moved to Florida with our two youngest kiddos, and um, we moved here because he's a pastor. We were about to plant a church, and we were going for a walk. Uh, my husband and I, we were just taking in the new surroundings, sunny Florida, woohoo. And we came around the corner and we're about to cross the busy street to get to our house when we saw our son standing in our yard and he was he was hysterical. He was jumping up and down, he was crying, he was motioning to us. I mean, it was it was traumatizing mm-hmm. to me. And as we stood there waiting for the traffic to pass, both of us were just wondering what in the world could be causing this. Is our daughter lying in a pool of blood? Um, is our house on fire? We really had no idea. So when we finally reached him, um, we were trying to understand what he was saying through the, the babbling and, and the tears. And I could hear police. I could hear warning. I could hear pornography. And when I finally mm. pieced together all of what he was trying to say to me, my husband was like, I, I don't get it. What's he saying? And I had to turn to him and say, he's been watching pornography. And this was just not on our radar. We had no idea, not even the first clue that this could be happening. And the, the odd part for me is, you know, the sun was shining, the grass was green, there were flowers blooming, and, you know, I, yet this, this horrible traumatic event was happening in my life, and, and I, I just remember it as a pivotal moment in my life. It's the day that my mom life took a different trajectory. So we were blessed that he actually told us, and later we were really thankful that he knew to come to us, because I know a lot of kids don't go to their parents. You know, it was a bogus warning on his phone. Somebody had hacked into him, found out he was watching porn and they were bribing him to send money. And I know some kids would have just sent the money, mm. but he was, he was scared. And, and thankfully he came to us. But the thing of it was, I, I was shocked. I was devastated. My heart was breaking. I w- I felt guilty. Um, I felt pain. I felt fear. Later on, I felt betrayed uh, because he'd lied to us for so long. And it was 
a long process for us. We we did put some things in place at the time. We we added filters and we added a few rules. Um, we thought we'd taken care of it, but a year and a half later, when he had just turned 16, he came back to us and said um, he was still highly involved, and he was um, he was ready at that point to to take care of this issue in his life. He had been to a youth group where the youth pastor told them how pornography had ruined his family home. And at that point, it there was just a light bulb that went off in his head that, oh, this, this can ruin my life. And he wanted at that point to change and to um, get rid of this, what had become an addiction for him. So, but through all that, we, I felt so alone. I, I had no nobody to turn to. It's not like I could turn to my best friend and be like, hey, my son watches porn. How about yours? You know, it's just not something we talk about. And so as I was researching, as I was figuring some of this out, I, I learned how pervasive it was. I learned that 93% of boys and 62% of girls see porn before they're 18. And I mean, I was like, why aren't we talking about this? Why don't parents know about it? So I wanted to be that mom. <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. need to talk. Well, let me ask you about, I'm, I'm curious, and I'm sure some of our listeners are curious too. So you, sure. let's talk about kind of that, not only that initial discovery, you know, on the lawn, um, but also kind of what, what, what did those, 18 months or almost two years look like between that initial discovery and, and those conversations that you and your husband had, or you and your son had, what, what was going on there? Like, how were you trying to approach it at that point in terms of the kinds of conversations you were having with your husband sure. and the kinds of conversations you were having with your son? Um, fantastic question. Cause you know, everybody wants to know, what do you do when you find this out? I mean, we, we put some filters in place. We didn't put enough. We didn't know about a Wi-Fi router filter. Um, we, we, <laughs> I had a few panic moments, if you will, where I was yanking things out sure. of the wall and throwing things in drawers. Um, you know, that, that probably is not the best way to handle it. Um, Frankly, he lied to us. So how we handled it probably didn't match the severity of what was really going on. And um, we we monitored him. Um, we so one of the things we did was we said you can no longer have your phone in your bedroom. And you know now I think why did I ever let phones in bedrooms? But you know a lot of parents do, and I can't go back and and beat myself up over it. But we we had him put it on the counter at night, on the kitchen counter. Well, when he came back to us those 18 months later, he said he was getting up in the middle of the night and taking the phone off the counter. Um, and even though there was a filter on it, he was getting around the filter by going through social media apps. And so, yeah, that's a great, it's a great question because unfortunately we can't, block everything. So even later when we added more um, parameters, we put more filters on and we did more with the parental controls, you know, we at some point had to just trust him that he wanted to change. As far as conversations with my husband, I think he needed, 
he became sort of my lifeline. Like when I was struggling and just weeping and, and thinking, oh my gosh, I have, I have ruined my son because that is what I thought that I had ruined him. Um, he and I relied on each other and, and obviously on God and he's a pastor. So he would bring me to the throne of grace over and over again, just, you know, that we can do this and we need to persevere and, you know, it's gotta be his choice eventually. Can I ask you, um, what unpack for us that, that feeling that you had ruined your son? Well, I'm a homeschool mom and, you know, there's all kinds of guilt and blame for the fact that I was sort of in charge of his upbringing and I was the mm -hmm. one that was with him all the time. And so I felt as if I should have known. I, I felt as if I should have done more research. I should have known. I, he was accessing pornography on his little iPod that he had in his um, pants pocket all the time. I literally had no idea that that thing accessed the internet. I didn't know you could watch videos on it. I thought it was just for listening. So mm -hmm. I just felt guilty that I didn't know all these things. And um, you know, like, have you ever seen this? The L, the loser? Oh, yeah. So I have like that capital L on my forehead. Like I am the biggest loser that there ever is. And I'm a really bad mom. And this is all my fault. Um, a lot of a lot of going to God, a lot of figuring out where does the fault lie? And truthfully, um, trying to figure out even what I thought of my son, because it kind of messed up my relationship with him for a while, too. Mm -hmm. So how, how important do you think it is, kind of looking back on that season of life for you, how important do you think that, that it is that when a parent discovers this or a parent realizes, hey, there have been things that have been going on behind my back that I didn't know about, how important do you think it is for a parent to realize at that time that um, there is no such thing as a perfect parent? Like just to be able to recognize that you can't have all the answers, you can't make every perfect decision, you can't know everything. Right. How is how important is that in combating a lot of the shame yeah. that you were experiencing? It's vital. It's vital. You know, I am a perfectionist by nature, and so I constantly um, look at things in uh, in light of I haven't hit the mark, and so having to reprogram even my own thought process of yes, I want to strive to be an excellent parent, but there is no such thing as a perfect parent. Uh, going to God and seeking his forgiveness for my part, but then letting go of the part that actually is not mine. So understanding that, yeah, I might, there were a few things that I could have done differently, but other people played a part in this. And not just my son who made the decision, but there were other people involved. And quite frankly, Eventually, I came around to understanding that the pornography industry in general plays a huge part of this, and society, who says it's okay, plays a huge part mm -hmm. in this. So being able to let go of what is not mine is, is very vital. And also, I think just buying into the lie that if you were a perfect parent, your child would be perfect. Right. 
uh, my mom, when I was going through all of my own recovery issues and everything, it's like a light bulb dawned on her one day where she realized, oh my goodness, God is literally the perfect parent. And look at how screwed up his kids are, you know? (laughs) And so it was like this massive, just, uh, shame just started coming off of her. Like, oh my goodness. Even if I had been perfect, there's no guarantee that my kids would have been perfect. So, um, you, you, you mentioned that you really started kind of doing a lot of research. Tell us, tell us where, um, where that was leading you and then what kind of effect that had when the second time that your son came out and said, I'm really actually ready for help. Yeah. Well, the research, the, the first, there's so many things going through my head as you ask that question, but the first thing that, um, was vital for me was to understand that, um, my son was not the monster that I thought he was because Mm. our relationship was, he might not, he'd probably tell a different story, but because, you know, I tried not to affect it too much, but it was hard for me to even look at him because I grew up in an era that said that people who watch pornography are perverted and monstrous and shady characters Um, so when I learned that the pornography industry has this stronghold and that their brains are not completely formed yet. So there's this brain science where the, the prefrontal cortex is not completely formed. And, um, when the, the pull that the pornography has and the, and, and how the, the pornography industry targets our kids, when I learned all that and in, in conjunction with remembering that he actually asked someone to show him these photos the first time. And that person should have said no way. And they, instead they showed him the photos. I was able to twist my thinking from he, he's not a monster. He's actually a victim and possibly even Mm -hmm. a victim of sexual abuse, given the fact that this trusted older teen should have flat out told him no. Um, you know, that was so helpful to me. And, and even farther than that, later, when my husband and I began to really discuss it, and I was able to express this, this feeling of how do I meld these thoughts of my son, who's, who's, I mean, he looked like this on one side, you know, he was my beautiful, wonderful, fun, loving son. I mean, if you met him, he's amazing kid. He's got the personality and he makes you laugh and he likes to play games and he's got all kinds of fantastic goals and ambition in life. And I'd look at him and think, I don't, how, how are you this person? And yet there's also this underlying thing going on that I didn't know about. And so when I finally was able to like have this discussion with my husband that I can't marry these thoughts, but yet now I finally come to grips with the fact that he's, he's a victim. He's not this horrible person. My husband was like, he's actually a potential victor because he has Christ in his life. And I'm like, yes, you know, when I look at him like that now, I'm like, yes, and what you were saying, like, none of us are perfect. So yeah, mm-hmm. imagine I have yeah. faults too. So this, you know, I present, sometimes I'm, I'm walking okay. And sometimes I'm failing and we're not just two dimensional people. We're actually three dimensional. We've got all these things going on. Well, yeah, when we, when we recognize our, our own need for grace, it's far easier to extend that grace to others, right? Especially to our kids. Absolutely. Um, but let's 
let's talk now about kind of where where things move from there because you've you've done more now yeah. you've you've got a a blog and a website and and I know you're you're working on a book uh, we yes. don't know when that's coming out but you're working on that yes. when did things start to shift to where you realized hey there's some there's some research and things that I'm doing for the sake of my own health and my own family to when it when it turned to I would like to actually help more moms. I'd like to help more people out there. Sure. Well, that's a great question. I, I've i actually, um, I'm a trained discipler and I've actually discipled or counseled, whatever word you want to use, lots of ladies in, in the past 20 years. And so it's just kind of my nature to want to help people. And when I found myself not being able to find help, um, and being that lonely mom at home, uh, not being able to turn to my friend, not being able to find help even online. I was like, this is crazy. I can't find support for me. I'm, I'm an emotional mess and I don't know who to call or who to, who would come alongside of me, uh, with this problem. That was a, that was a big deal for me. Um, and so when I started doing the research and found out how many how many kids are watching pornography? Just this, it clicked in my head. Like, well, if all these children are searching for porn, then all these parents have kiddos looking at porn and we should mm -hmm. be talking about it. So yeah, like I said, I was like, I'm going to become that mom. And at first I uh, started hopefulmom.net in a pen name because I did not have permission from my son to be able to talk specifically about his problems. So, but I was, I was like, I'm doing this. I'm going to figure out a way to connect with other parents because we need each other. Um, and, and I, I started writing, uh, last summer, mm -hmm. he gave me permission to switch over into my given name and speak and write in, uh, under Barb Winters. Yay. Um, but you know, it was just, I had one connection with a gal. We had a, a mutual friend and this friend happened to know my story. She lived in a different state and um, I had confided in, in this one friend and she had a connection with another friend and she called me and said, will you talk with her? And I, I had to sort of break, break my rule of not talking openly with anybody in my own name and um, I called her. And when I heard her voice and what I heard, I heard everything that I had felt that first time. And I, I just said to her, you are not a bad mom. And I could, I could hear the relief, you know, in the, at the other end of the phone. And I thought this, this is what we need to be doing. We need to be reaching out to each other and saying, this does not define you. You're not a bad mom. You know, this is not all your fault. You're going to be okay. You're going to come out the other end. So, so I started. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Some of the things that you have, you have learned. And now that you're trying to teach other moms, what are some key elements or key principles that you try to instill in, in other moms who are facing similar challenges that you faced with your son? Um, well, I could take that question either way. I mean, do you want to know what you do to help your parent or to help your children? Or do you want to know what do you do to, to emotionally stabilize yourself? Let's do both. Okay. Let's tackle both of them. Yeah, sure. 
Well, well, one of the things that I would say to moms or dads who are dealing with this is to, to um, pause and to pray and to process. So before jumping in, before doing what I did that first conversation and yanking things out of the wall, um, just stop and pause. And a lot of times we hear that too late. Uh, but even after you've right. had that initial conversation, you can say, you know what, I'm going to take some minutes and then I'm going to approach it differently or I'm going to start over because our, ki our kids are okay with that, you know. So pause. And, um, you know, the problem didn't happen overnight. If there is an issue, it didn't happen overnight. We can't fix it overnight. It's not like a broken bone. You know, we can't just go to the doctor, set it, and it'll be fine in six weeks. That's that's not what's going to happen. So so it's okay to pause. It's okay to um, to pray. I mean, we we desperately need God. We need to seek His wisdom. We under we need to understand His discernment before we do anything. And then then process the information that you have. So what do you know? And what don't you know? Because a lot of times we just have a little bit of information. And if, if we can figure out, well, wait a minute, I don't have all the pieces. Maybe take some notes of, well, what, what do I still need to find out? And then process our feelings. Because one of the things I didn't realize until way later, actually when I was starting to, to write the first draft of my book, was that I, I literally was grieving. And mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't recognize that. And so um, that would be for sure something that I, I want parents to understand is, is there has been a loss in your life. And, and we typically um, equate grieving with a death. And there was not a physical death in my household, but there was the death of a son I thought I knew and the death right. of a son I thought I was going to have. So everything I had thought about his future, because we do that, we picture what our children are going to be like 20 years from now, right? We've, we've got this idea of who we want them to be and that shattered. It was gone, completely gone. And so I was literally mourning that loss. And when I realized that later, I could actually see all those steps, the grieving that we go through that I had taken. And, and so that would be one thing for sure that I would, I would tell parents is to take that, that time. Yeah. And I think it's even okay in that, in that processing to, to get outside help. Sometimes a counselor, can be helpful in that because just to try to try to figure trying to figure that out all on yeah. your own can be really challenging, especially because of what you said in terms of how the grief will strike a person. Uh, we're not always thinking clearly or even processing clearly when we're in that grief, and so sometimes having some objective right. uh, people in your life and 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 folks that you know will hold that in confidence are really important to that processing as well. So now what, um, what can parents do then with their child sure. to kind of help in that process after, Hey, they've discovered this or they realized this. It's one thing for them to, you know, pause, pray and process for themselves. Right. Now they have to deal with the situation. Right. So, um, we need to open that line of communication. Um, well, first we need to add filters. Not first. I mean, I don't know what order you do all this in. It's easier to add filters on. If you haven't done that already, 
it's a must. I mean, we're in a day and age where I don't even think that should be questioned anymore. Um, you know, filters on the Wi-Fi, filters on the, the, all the devices. And we use Covenant Eyes. We, we have used, uh, Disney on our, our router. We now have a Griffin. Um, all the parental controls. So the, these are all musts. Um, but they're not foolproof, like we discussed already. So I would mm-hmm. say, you know, it's so important to communicate with your children. Open that line of communication. And remember that it's not a one and done. It's not like, oh, I'm going to have the talk and then it's over. We need to be open and honest with our children about all the things. And um, I'm going to plug this book, John Ford, right, Honest yeah. Talk. I just read it and I wish that I had had it. 20 years ago. Um, it's an amazing book. If It's got a lot of starter questions in there. Um, but we need to be willing to say the hard thing. And we, you know, the first conversation might be really rough. If a parent's just discovering it and the child doesn't know that, that they know, um, it might be something you might want to say is, hey, um, I need to have a conversation with you about pornography. When would be a good time for you? Kind of set it up so that they're not just taken off guard so that they can have a minute to think about it. Um, and then ask open-ended questions. Ask, um, what do you know about pornography? What have your friends told you about pornography? Um, have you ever seen pornography? And if we can have that discussion in a way that's not condescending, it's not judgmental, and it's more in a, we're just wanting to get to know you sort of way. Um, that That's really helpful. And I think as we're having those communication, as we're having those discussions, we need to make sure that our children know that we love them unconditionally. So one of the things that I think kind of went well, that first conversation, the tiny little part of it is that Eventually, I sat on my bed with my son. I sat next to him. I put my arm around him and I said, we're actually on your side. And we love you no matter what. You can't tell us anything that's going to take that love away from us. We are for you. And when and if we ever put protections or or boundaries in place, it's because we it's our job to protect you, not because we want to punish you. So we're not punishing you, we're protecting you. We're not restricting you, we're safeguarding you. We're not fighting against you, we're actually fighting for you and with you because we love you. These are things we actually need to say out loud to our kids because they actually don't know it. Mm-hmm. And I wonder too if there's also opportunities in that because you know, the, the, the realities of sexual desire are part of God's design. Yes. And so sometimes I think maybe that, that conversation of we're for you, we're with you, maybe opens the door also to being able to say, Hey, listen, it's not strange that you have these desires. Um, in fact, the protection that we have that, that we're trying to put in place is not a protection against the reality that you are a sexual being and that you have sexual desires. The protection that we're trying to put around you is we don't want you to go down a path where those desires are leading you into areas that are just not healthy for you. They're not good for your mind or your your body. And so talk a little bit about how these kinds of hard conversations can even lead to conversations to help your kids better understand God's design for sexuality. Sure. Um, 
yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because that that's perfect. We do need to be telling them what sex is designed for. So yeah, in the middle of all that, hopefully, you know, again, it's, it's several conversations over a period of time and being able to tell them God, God created sex for us to enjoy. It's supposed to be pleasurable. It's supposed to be enjoyable. Um, and yeah, we have those feelings. Your hormones are screaming right now. And, and what that means is your body is working correctly. Uh, right. To be able to understand when is the appropriate time. Uh, so to be able to communicate God's love for them and how God created them. And, and we did have those conversations. I have to admit, though, that my son wanted to have that particular conversation with my husband. So, you know, to sure. be able to have both parents is awesome. If you're a single parent, then trying to figure out who is who is someone else that maybe could could talk with my child. And we we followed our son's lead. We let him just sort of decide who he was going to talk with as long as he was willing to have that discussion. Mm -hmm. Well, Barb, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, are there any other things that you'd want to share with parents that might be helpful? And then I'd love for you to also share where um, uh, parents can find out more about you and, and what you're sure. doing. Sure. Um, well, the key, I think, to this is education and communication. So educating yourself on on the dangers of pornography, including brain science and the link to, to human trafficking, um, understanding yourself so that you can then communicate that to your child. So the combination of education and communication. And then the last thing that I, I want to really encourage uh, parents is to find that find that mentor, find that friend, find that confidant, the pastor or or counselor like you talked about earlier, some one person that you can just lay it all out for. And that person for me was not my husband because even though I could go to him and, and we dealt with this together, he was too emotionally involved. So I, I needed someone outside of our home that could be stable <laughs> and give me some sound advice without their emotions screaming also. So I, that's... Uh, my big push is to, to find a confidant or find a friend. And you can find me at hopefulmom.net. So I encourage, support, um, help parents along the way. I've got some practical advice over there too. I have a lot of guest authors come in because I'm not the only person that knows anything about this. So I, I invite you to go over. And I do have a free downloadable PDF if you uh, subscribe to receive my updates. So I'd, I'd love for you to go over there and, and subscribe. Well, Barb, this has been a great conversation, and I know it's going to be really helpful to a lot of parents out there. And so uh, thanks for being willing to put yourself out there and to be able to. Uh, and I would, I would also say I think all of our listeners would say, uh, thank your son for us, because uh, that's a huge step yeah. for him to be able to say, yeah, mom, go for it. You can you can share your story openly. Uh, that's commendable. And so thanks for being willing to do that and for sharing with us. Absolutely. Today. I will. I will pass that along. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We'll be sure to put that information about hopefulmom.net in the show notes. But uh, listeners, we're glad that you've been with us. Um, uh, go over to hopefulmom.net, um, learn about what Barb's doing, 
And uh, we're glad that you have been here. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.